back for PoopCast 3.0 with the good Dr. McFerrin. Okay, and then that can cause problems, like, with subsequent pregnancies, right? Like, sometimes they'll be fine, but then sometimes they won't? Yes. At six years old, you should be able to ride a bicycle. Normal sailing is not normal. For about 24 hours, <laughs> I thought that my karyotype was 47XXX, and I did a lot of reading in that 24 oh, hours. Yeah, I'm sure. I can't imagine that that happened. <laughs> Taking a good history and doing a good physical exam will get you nine-tenths of what you need. Hello, fellow tiny human docs. We are so excited to welcome you to the 12th episode of Peds in a Pod. As always, we are your hosts, Ashley Grigsby. And David Rayburn. And we are combined emergency medicine and pediatric residents at Indiana University. For now. But the next episode, we won't be anymore because they are finally going to let us graduate. I was actually thinking about bringing that up to this episode as well, so it's perfect. As always, we follow the outline and study recommendations set forth by the American Board of Pediatrics content outline for the General Pediatrics Board exam, Um, and we try and focus on high-yield review topics for the pediatric boards. We have some pretty exciting content lined up for you this episode with some really highly tested topics. So we're going to be serving up the third edition of the PoopCast with Dr. McFerrin. We're going to be talking about vomiting. Uh, We will head back to the critical care corner to discuss electrolytes with Dr. Behrens. Ashley and Dr. Conboy will be talking in-depth about some genetics topics. We actually had a very, I think it was a very fun time talking about genetics, which can sometimes be kind of dry, but it was fun. Yeah, I was going to say, I hope it's fun because that's a difficult topic to listen to. It's it's hard. All right, and don't forget about cootie shots and milestones. Make sure to check out our Twitter at Peds in a Pod for additional, additional pearls and content updates between our episodes and we're gonna have some images from this episode as well that we'll put on our twitter after you listen to the episodes and make sure to reach out to us if there's additional content that you want us to work on for future episodes as ashley said we will be graduating and she will be heading to the west coast and i will be uh staying here in indiana for another year but we plan on continuing this so if you guys have topics you want us to cover definitely send them our way all right let's go ahead and talk about a case. Well, we're going to talk about a couple cases that all had one thing in common. So why don't I give you three cases and you tell me what you think they all had in common. Okay. So there's a seven-month-old with four days of URI symptoms who presented in status epilepticus. There's a seven-year-old. Yeah, not ideal, right? There's a seven-year-old who had two days of fever presented in acute hypoxic respiratory failure requiring ECMO. How high were the fevers? Do I get to ask? Uh, One or two. Okay. All right. Respectable. Respectable. Real. And then you had a five-year-old with eight days of fever and cough who was found to have a large pleural effusion requiring chest tube drainage. Okay. So okay. three very different mm-hmm. presentations, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. different age groups, mm-hmm. all had one thing in common. So I think the, the second two, I can come up with an answer. The first one, I think I can come up with an answer, but I wasn't actually totally... Didn't know this, but I think it's the flu. It is the flu. It's also a bad flu time, so it's a little bit I'm cheating. And they're all flu A. Okay. It was terrifying. I did not know flu A caused status epilepticus. This so let me tell you. New. Let me this tell you about that. To me. So we'll, we'll just break down some of the complications. Um, the other two you you understood already. So there's actually a uh, encephalopathy that is associated with the flu. And there is a hemorrhagic encephalitis that of the encephalopathy patients, there's a very, 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 very tiny percentage that have a hemorrhagic encephalitis. 
And that's what this kid had and presented in status. It sounds like Ebola. Right? Like, terrifying. That sounds awful. More reasons to get a flu shot. Yeah, get your flu shot. Unfortunately, this kid, they were just, it was seven months old. And so they they were just eligible for their first flu shot Mm -hmm. and hadn't seen the pediatrician. And so there's that. The second one, he actually had a very interesting case, which I posted on our Twitter. He was the ECMO one, the seven-year-old. He came in, hypoxic respiratory failure, whited out, collapsed right lung, Ended up on ECMO, and when they bronked him, he had plastic. He had casts, so he had plastic bronchitis oh. secondary to the flu, which I posted on our Twitter. I remember that that got quite a lot of Twitter it did. following. There, so interestingly about that is like you typically see the plastic bronchitis in congenital heart kids uh-huh. because you get this change in pressure in the lungs and you get lymphatic flow into the lungs, and they actually form these little casts that look like the um, bronchi. The third case is pretty classic for the flu. So yeah, I mean, big fusion. Right. So you get the flu and then you get a secondary bacterial illness on top of Oftentimes it. Oftentimes staph. Exactly. Staph aureus loves the flu. Yep. So that is kind of – those are those three cases all associated with the flu. I do know that the boards want you to know like to plan an, anti-retro, an antiviral therapy, which we're not going to get into the – Dis- dispute of the Tamiflu or also Tamavir, but for the boards, I think the probably the biggest things to know would be you could start it for flu positive people within 48 hours ideally, and it can help reduce the length of illness. It has not been shown to decrease complications. And the current CDC guidelines say any kid hospitalized with the flu should probably be on also Tamavir as well. Yeah, I think it's reasonable to know that for the boards just to kind of hold in the back of your mind if they ask you if there's any kind of treatment regimen that you could offer. If they're in the right age group, they're a high-risk child, they're admitted, certainly you can start them on also Tamavir. So I think overall what you kind of brought up were some very rare complications of influenza. Thank Maybe, goodness. Yeah, thank goodness. But typically the normal influenza kind of course would be they present with sudden onset of fever, chills, even rigors, headache, malaise, sometimes some nausea and vomiting, especially in kids, but that's actually not required to make the diagnosis. Myalgias and cough are all kind of part of it. Patients at the highest risk of complications are those with hemoglobinopathy, so sickle cell, thalassemia, things like that, bronchopulmonary dysplasia, asthma, cystic fibrosis. I think we could all come up with that as an answer. And diabetes, chronic renal disease, heart disease, all the chronic diseases that they could have. And these are our high-risk patients that we talked about too that would be would be the ones that we would consider treatment or prophylaxis with an antiviral. Don't forget too that there is a rapid antigen test for the flu. It cycles with how good it is based on the types of flu that are most prevalent. But know that on the boards that they ask you a question, there is a test and it's a rapid antigen test. Anything else that we need to cover for the flu? I think that's it. Go get your flu shots and, uh, I don't know, happy studying. Stay inside and study for the boards and don't go out and see people and get the flu. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here we go. As always, the thoughts and ideas expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of Indiana University School of Medicine or IU Health or any of its affiliates. This podcast is not intended to be used in the place of clinical judgment or as a diagnostic tool. We also know that there's new literature published daily, but unfortunately, the board exam content can lag behind some of this information. This podcast is focused on giving you the information relevant for the boards. We cannot cover everything, and this podcast is not all-inclusive, but we do hope you learned something that will help you on the boards.
All right, now let's dive into this month's episode. <laughs> 